good to have you with us. You are on the panel. Wallace Chapman here, Jenny Giblin and Andrew Clay joining me this afternoon. And the panel is on iHeart, on Spotify and Apple uh, if you can't catch it live. Now, already, as you can imagine, a bit of response to this first story here. Uh, I'm a GP and I do support free dental care. It's much needed. The cost of those with severe caries on their health for the rest of their lives and our health system is extremely expensive, money and time-wise. So just one of many uh, responses come through on this, uh, and that is the Green Party is promising free dental care for all. Greens co-leader James Shaw says we have the highest levels of unmet care in the OECD and the most expensive care. He says around 70% of adults put off going to the dentist because of the cost. Basic oral health services are free in New Zealand until 18 years of age. Uh, This free dental care will be funded uh, by the introduction of a wealth tax. Uh, Kiwis spend around $2.5 million a day on dental care. Average is around 350 bucks a visit. With us is the New Zealand Dental Association spokesperson, Dr. Rob Beaglehole. Uh, Rob, kia ora. Oh, kia ora, Wallace. So, key announcement here from the Greens. Uh, certainly an issue that comes up, uh, you know, every now and then, particularly election year. Casting your eye over this announcement, Rob, what do you make of it? Well, look, it's great that one of the political parties is, is raising the red flag about the, the need for um, oral health care. Uh, in their policy, they're saying 40% of the population are um, not accessing because of cost. So what we as a dental association, we really want to focus in on those people that need it the most um, as a targeted approach. Um, on the other side of things, we would have also liked the Greens to have announced a, a, a levy on the sugary drink industry, such as the sugary drink industry levy that the UK government has initiated. So that could also help pay for it. Uh, so this, could this perhaps be uh, an ambulance at the bottom of a cliff uh, might as well put a fence at the top and bringing that well, sugar tax is what you would say? Well, yes. yes. Well, actually, what we need to do, we need to do both. We need to treat people that really need that, the care. I mean, it's unto- there's untold pain and suffering on a day-to-day basis in New Zealand um, in terms of people putting oral care off. Um, we, we know that approximately 3,000 children alone are waiting for dental care uh, to be seen at the hospital in Auckland just for a general anaesthetic. So there's a lot of unmet need at the moment. There's problems in the system, and what we really need, we need the government to signal that they want to fix it. Um, but what we as a dental association really would like is a preventative approach and then a targeted approach. 3,000 children waiting to go under general? Oh, that's just in Auckland alone, just in all 3,000 kids suffering. It's horrendous, you know, crying, pain, not eating, um, mothers and fathers beside themselves. That's just in Auckland alone. And those 3,000 kids are just waiting just to be seen. They still, Once they are seen, they still need to go on the general anaesthetic list. So it is a shocking system. What we also need, we need more dentists, but more to the point, we need more oral health therapists who treat um, kids and adolescents. All right, they're coming through now. Do you support universal dental care, the likes of what Greens are saying? Would you have it targeted? Uh, Let me know, 2101. Ginny Giblin. Well, I think it's great that this has been raised as an issue because it's something that's probably been bubbling away, simmering away in in our communities for a, a long time. I personally don't support a universal um, free 
dental system. I, I think that it should be targeted. I think there's, there are people that can afford to pay for it and they should. Um, but I do believe there should be some sort of system for those children that, that can't access it. But just picking up on what Rob has said, I think prevention is the key. And you know, some of this is also a, a little bit about choice in terms of what you choose to eat and what you choose to drink. And you know, a toothbrush and uh, toothpaste and flossing and, and teaching kids how to look after and care for their teeth, I think is also equally important. What what you said that Rob about the choice aspect about the education of using a toothbrush and the sorts of things you eat? Well, well, I think what we really need to do is we need to educate policymakers and politicians about instigating policies that are going to have a huge population impact on reducing sugar. We know that sugar is the number one um, cause of dental decay, and the number one reason we get sugar in our diet actually comes from sugary drinks. So what we really need to do, we need to turn the sugar tap off and the fluoride tap on in order to prevent disease. But for people that are really out there suffering, we need as a society to help people. Um, and that also includes extending the age of free dental care up from 18, from 18 to 28. The Dental Association is adamant that that would also help the situation. Andrew? Well, I think it's a uh, mouthful of uh, common sense you've said about sugary, sugary drink taxes. Um, with regards to a wealth tax, I, I'm not anti it at all, but if you're the Green Party, change the name of it. It just sounds bad. Wealth tax just sounds sounds mean-spirited and they're like, you're jealous. So tax the wealthy, but don't call it a wealth tax, for goodness sake. Um, yeah, and, and, and I mean, how much of that money should be spent targeted on, on the education as well? You know, if you floss and you brush and don't drink sugary drinks, all, all those things. I think it is easy for the Greens to say, we're going to do this because the chances are they're not going to have, have the possibility to do it and, and try and Try to find 1.4 billion coming coming out of nowhere is is perhaps unrealistic, but yeah, tax tax sugary drinks. It sounds like absolute common sense to me. Yeah, well, I mean, we'd like, what we're really keen on is, is hearing what the, the Labour Party and the National Party and other political parties view on an oral health policy, because I'm sure that all politicians sitting in the beehive are concerned about the, the shocking state of oral health care in New Zealand, and there needs to be something that we need to do about it. And what we really need, we need political leadership. Can I ask a question though? Why is I, mean, I went to the, the uh, oral cleanest, whatever you call them, hygienist. hygienist. There you go, just recently, yeah. and it's got, it costs a reasonable amount. And they said, "Oh, you really should go see the, the you know, the, the dentist, the, yeah. the top guy, every few years." And why is it so expensive? Is it just because the training is so expensive? It was like oh, it is three hundred fifty for like. I just, they just take an X ray and go, "Yeah, everything seems fine." It's like right. see you later, four hundred bucks. Why? Why yeah. is that? Good point, Andrew. Well, I mean, it's very expensive to train dentists, but more to the point. Um, Dentistry, the vast majority of dentists are private um, small business owners, and also, unlike other healthcare issues, um, it's not subsidised at all unless okay. you're under 18. Yeah. So, no subsidy. So, that's what this policy would do, is, and we need to really subsidise. Yeah, um, free dental care. Dr. Big, I've got a I've got a question here for you. Well, just a sort of an angle, I guess. Back in 2017, former Prime Minister Helen Clark said that New Zealand makes hospital care free. So why not a right to dental care? Just sort of coming back on that targeting aspect. If I can go to the hospital, my local hospital, if I break my arm and I don't have to pay to get it seen to. Why do I have to pay to get a filling? Why can't yeah. it be universal in a, in a way that um, the public health system is universal? Well, that, yeah. yeah, no, it's a very good point. I mean, Helen, she was onto it and, and still is. And her view is that 
universal and it's an aspirational goal. But I think what the Dental Association wants is that we want to do something now and we want to do something urgent. And what we can do is we can start with that targeted approach and see how it goes. But at the moment, we're not doing anything for people over the age of 18. So let's increase free basic dental care from 18 to 28, plus target anyone with a um, community service card, for example. So people really in that need get access to the care that they want. Very good to have you on. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Rob Beaglehole there. Uh, I'm a community nurse in Te Tai Tokoro, and the free oral health mobile vans are not able to get around to schools as usual due to short staffing. We need oral health therapists. Treatment is free for school kids, but they just can't get it as they have. Uh, in the past. So thank you very, very much uh, for your responses there. Gosh, a lot of response here. Free dental care would make a big difference and the sugar tax would be great as well. Dental health affects longevity. It is 17 past four, uh, the panel. It, it is, it is, just coming back to the price very briefly though, Jenny, it is pricey, isn't it? Even to go for hygiene. It is hugely expensive, and, um, and, and, and then add in if you have to do braces and all those sort of cosmetic oh. things as my God, it's ridiculous. But one of the things I just wanted to raise is I remember when I was younger, we would go to the, de- the dental nurse twice a year. Is that system still is that system still in place? Are kids still getting access to a hygienist? I don't know whether that's still the case That's right. Remember, your, your name would come over the intercom. Yeah. Uh, you know, Wallace Chapman, you're wanted at the dental... Stint. And everyone went, yeah. you're, you're going to go to the murder house. We used to call it the murder house. That's what it was called and back in the 70s. It was called the Murder House. I'm not joking. No, I remember it very rarely. Yep. 18 past for the other big news. From dental to transport and another major announcement. 64 years ago, Auckland got its first harbour crossing to much fanfare. It's a great day for Auckland. 100 years after the first plans were drawn, the Harbour Bridge is ready for opening. In 1860, a wooden bridge would have cost £16,000. This one cost £6 million. Yeah, now the government unveils a new harbour crossing plan. Auckland would get three tunnels across the Waitamata Harbour, two for vehicles, one for light rail. Expected to cost up to $45 billion, built over decades at North Shore's Bayswater Marina. So the two road tunnels would be three lanes each way, no, sorry, three lanes each one way and go from the CBD to Akaranga North Shore, about five or six k's, twice as long as the Waterview Tunnel. Lanes on the current bridge will be set aside for cycling, walking buses, greens, they call it bonkers, Nats call it a desperate announcement. With us, Dr. Timothy Welch, School of Architecture and Planning, Senior Lecturer at the University of Auckland. Dr. Welch, kia ora. Kia ora. A $45 billion plan, an eye-watering amount of money. Will this future-proof the super city for another 100 years or quite unnecessary? And yeah, it's a massive amount of money, um, and it's something that we won't even break ground on until the current bridge is 70 years old and really nearing the end of its functional life. Uh, and then we don't really know how long it will take us to actually build all these tunnels and all the infrastructure to support it. I mean, Auckland has trouble, has had trouble even getting a path to walk and cycle across. That's been used in the planning. Uh, should politicians be aiming more for the achievable, Tim? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to reason why we're not taking a lot of the low-hanging fruit for these easy wins. Uh, we could quickly open up a lane uh, for walking and cycling and get people across. That's what the plan is for the later use in life. So all the reasons that we shouldn't be able to do it kind of fall away because it looks like it's what's going to happen at some point. Um, but yeah, we can take a lot of easy steps now that are a lot cheaper rather than these kind of extravagant infrastructure costs. Well, you live in Tamaki Makaurau, Andrew. Your response to this? Well, first of all, I want to just digress for a second. Is I, I want a job um, as the person that estimates these big things because they never get it right. It always blows out by miles. I could do it. I could say it's going to be thirty, fifty. You name a figure. Because by the end of it, it's blown out. If I was like that with my own budgeting, I'd be, I'd be. In the poorhouse, I'd be bankrupt. But when are they ever accurate? When is one ever coming on budget? And this is these guys do it anyway. That's by the by. Something needs to happen if you're not if you're going to let more people into Auckland. I wish they wouldn't uh, let more people into Auckland. I mean, I, I lived in Sydney when they dug the the, the tunnel under oh, the yeah. Sydney Harbour. I was there. Right. Uh, but I do I do always go back to that. Um, that uh, quote, uh, you know, uh, putting more roads into cure traffic congestion is like loosening your belt to cure obesity. It, it, you have to be, you know, be smart about it. The train one, as an idea that should have been years ago, probably all this should have started years ago. But again, $45 billion, if that's the actual cost. Man, where's that coming from? Stay there, Tim. Let's go to Jenny. Jimmy, uh, you're in Hawke's Bay. Nonetheless, uh, it is an uh, announcement of some significance here, $45 billion from a Hawke's Bay perspective. How do you see this? Well, we'd like to have even just some of that to fix our Hawke's Bay roads. Um, but look, I'm in Auckland every week for work, so I have oh, yeah. um, some sympathy for the Auckland traffic. Um, look, it's hard not to sound negative, but I'm just so sceptical about all these big promises that we get. Same. And we've had promises in transport. From this current government, and they haven't um, they haven't um, translated into much. Um, and I can't help but look at this and do a bit of an eye roll and think, oh yeah, well it probably won't happen. So sorry to be really negative on that. I just think it's a huge amount of money. Um, we haven't delivered in the past, and it's hard to know whether or not this will ever ever go ahead. Right. Well, I'm just thinking about that actually, Tim. And uh, I can recall the Waterview Tunnel being years in the making and much talked about. You know, a lot of discussion prior it happening, but it did go ahead. Uh, now, frankly, it is hard to imagine getting to the airport without it. Do we just need to bite the bullet on something? Well, there's a couple of things. So when we talk about like water view, it did help a bit, um, but it gets congested just as well. So it didn't, it wasn't a long-term solution and building more car lanes under the harbor will be a short-term solution and eventually it'll just get congested again. The only way to solve congestion is to get people out of their cars. Um, so we can take these easier wins that may be building a bridge that connects light rail to our busways um, and maybe a congestion charge that reduces the amount of people going into the CBD. Uh, so there's a lot of options that have been kicked around. Uh, the government has just picked the most expensive and elaborate one to go forward with. Is that just uh, an election kind of thing where it makes the biggest splash in the media? Is that, I mean, without being too cynical? It seems that way. It seems like a difficult path to go for an election cycle, though, and there's a lot of other things uh, that could be proposed that would be more feasible. Uh, but it certainly looks like something that may get a few votes. It did have, it did have a, sm- sorry, a smidgen of bipartisan uh, support, though, didn't it? Or am I wrong there? I, 
I think that National is on board for the the road component, uh, but isn't in favor of the light rail, which would really, in I think most people's opinion, be the critical component of of our transportation plan. Ginny? I was just going to say, we're, we're just entering this period, aren't we, between now and the 14th of October of these massive big promises across all parties. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to have the faith. Yeah, well, let me ask you then, uh, Dr. Walsh, because I uh, started by, you know, um, uh, playing a clip from 1959 and, uh, you know, I think they had a ticker tape parade when the Auckland Harbour Bridge was finished, you know. Remember the tolls? Yeah, certainly I can clearly recall yeah. the tolls. And so, you know, a big deal there. And as you say, uh, it wasn't long until they needed more uh, lanes because of the of the cars. If I was to ask you now, how would you future-proof Auckland for the next century? What should transport look like in 3023 in a nutshell? Well, something if we want to do it within the next 100 years uh, without a bunch of election promises, we really should take some of that money we're going to use to build light rail underground and bring it above ground, have a really big network of tram systems uh, that crisscross the city and over to the North Shore that can all be done above ground at a fraction of the cost in much faster time frame. Um, and things like I mentioned before, congestion fee would be useful in slowing down the traffic that goes in and generating revenue for other uses. Um, and improving our current bus network would also go a long ways. Well, first thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, would you get all the resistance, though, from above ground railway from the people living near the above ground railway stations? And that's the only problem. I mean, if a railway popped up, you know, somewhere on the shore, affluent people, they've got lots of money to chuck lawyers at it to slow it down. That's, that's my only cynical you yeah. know, comment there. Yeah. Well, we certainly already have the right of way for the busway. Um, we could put it there. And yeah, the evidence shows that when you're close to a light rail station, your property value actually increases significantly. There so there are some bonuses. All right. Very good, uh, Dr. Welsh. Thank you uh, for your time on the panel. It's uh, Tim Welsh, School of Architecture and Planning, looking over that uh, big announcement uh, there. I don't want to. I don't want to like you know point you out here, but you said in a hundred years' time, thirty twenty three. That's a thousand years' time, Wallace. Sorry, sorry. No, I'm not going to yes. be that guy. But I was no, just that guy. Thank you. Thank you for that. No, that's, I. I, I <laughs> sorry, mate. I suddenly realised as soon as I said it, I thought, oh, whoops. And I train spotted. Yeah. And now I've. Um, um, Now, I just got back from Edinburgh. Light rail from airport to the city is simply amazing. Everyone uses it. It's low cost. What is not so like? Wallace, a century is only 100 years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At least they're listening. Wallace, that's nice. uh, This caused a bit of a stir on social media. National leader Chris Luxon plays hallway cricket in Parliament, delivering a ball at pace not a cricket ball, down to the end of the hall where it was hit with someone with a bat. One reacted on social media, rich white guys trashing a building paid for by taxpayers and will require more taxpayer money Excuse me, to repair any damage. Have some respect, you such and such and such and such. (laughs) And people shot back saying, imagine being this angry about one of their great office pastimes. Another one here, stop being lame. They're not using a proper cricket ball, and I guarantee there's no damage to be repaired. Parliament is so effing dull. So, hallway cricket around the panel, a rite of passage or schoolboy elitism. Jenny Giblin. 
Well, I can say when I worked in Parliament, people were playing hallway cricket, uh, hallway cricket then too. So I don't think it's a new thing. And I actually thought um, it was a nice way to sort of see Chris Luxon kind of outside of a suit and, and um, not looking so stiff. So for me, it was a thumbs up. I thought, good on them. Look, I thought his form was decent. He used to work on his outswinger, to be honest. Just, <laughs> just short of a length outside the off stump. Honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a left-leaning kind of a guy, but and pick on Luxon for things that he deserves to be picked on. This is not one of them. This is ridiculous. This is a non-story. If this is what you're upset about, you need to go out and get a life because it, cricket in the hallway, football in the hallway. We do it all. It's a hallway. I'm sure if he broke something, he'd pay for it. I'm pretty confident of that. Well, what, what, to both of you, to both of you, what, what if what what is one person said him? I don't let kids do this in a classroom, paid for by taxpayers. So why is it okay for MPs to behave like this in Parliament buildings, paid for, Jenny Giblin, by taxpayers? Well, I guess you know you've got to think how how much damage is there going to be from a, a soft cricket ball going down the hallway. I don't know. I just think it's a nonsense, and I think it's an opportunity for people just to kind of have a go for the sake of it. It yeah. seems really silly to me. We've 100%. got major going on in our country, really. Yeah, I tell you what. If this really is the biggest story, the country's doing way better than I thought but, it was. But did you see? But did you see the art that was on the walls? It's the, the uh, Parliament has an art collection, and there were canvases on that walls, unprotected. Meanwhile, a ball goes whizzing past that. Collection, Jenny Giblin, is paid for by you. It is, but I still don't think that there's going to be massive damage from a softball onto one of those pieces of art. I, I think this is, is a totally been overcooked. And do we know something? <laughs> if there is expensive artwork on the wall, why? I didn't. I didn't ask for it to be on the, the wall. I take it off. Sell it. Sell it. It's two things: we'll get more money in the government coffers, and it won't get damaged from hallway cricket. All right, uh, so both the panellists are uh, very, very much in support of uh, this. Uh, this outswinger. He's got to work on his he's got to work. That's, that's the real yeah, story, isn't it? That's the real it? story. Yeah. Um, so what do you make of that? Uh, National leader Chris Luxon playing hallway cricket in Parliament. Uh, do you think that's just a bit of fun there? Or do you think that it sends, um, well, it's a bit disrespectful no. to the Parliament building? Text me. Uh, 2101, you can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Uh, another one here, too. I'm a public health nurse. Some children are referred to local private dentists for urgent care. This is free, but if sedation is required, it's not funded, which can be expensive uh, for families.